lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV. Radio and podcast. Uh, I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre. Heard strange voices, but now we're good. Sorry for the pregnant pause there. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm good. Really good. Good. It is today is one of the most unique days that I have experienced doing this for a living. And and frankly, maybe as an American. And we'll get to that here in a moment. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And if you're looking for clips of this program that you can sample or share, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. There is so much to get to here today. I... I uh, we could do a six, seven hour show. I won't because I'm one of the few apparently who still believes in capitalism around here. All right. So I'm, I'm not working Penub buckwheat. You know, uh, I get paid for two hours and by golly, the best two hours of, is, is what I'm going to give you. <laughs> All right. But there is enough today that we could be doing six to seven hours. No problem today. All right. We're going to dig into the <coughs> stimulus bill. Uh, how do you stimulate a corpse? Right. I mean, it's only been one guy that's figured out how to do that. Right. So the economy is dead, but we're going to throw a stimulation at something that is unstimulated, unstimulatable, unstimulatable. Yes. Yeah. Does that make any sense? No. Uh, so we're going to go dig in uh, to what is going on on Capitol Hill coming up a little bit later on. We are going to take a break, albeit brief from the daily uh, news of what's happening for some Theology Thursday. We definitely could use a timeout for some of that. So we'll be doing that here in the final segment of the show. But before we get to that, boy, howdy, this is a rundown you do not want to miss. Here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by Calling Bull. On March 16th, the Imperial College of London released its COVID-19 response team report on the potential impact of the Wuhan coronavirus on the United States and Great Britain. Part of the report said, quote, in total, in an unmitigated epidemic, we would predict approximately 510,000 deaths in Great Britain and 2.2 million in the United States, not accounting for the potential negative effects of health systems being overwhelmed on mortality. The report also recommended, even with the current social distancing, quarantines and shutdowns, periodic forced quarantines and distancing for a period of 18 months would be needed until a vaccine could be developed. Well, you already know the consequences of that doomsday report. First universities, then sports leagues, then businesses, and now essentially entire economies have been shut down from the reaction to the Imperial College projection. Slowly but surely, however, those doomsday figures have been called into question. First with Dr. John Ioannidis, an epidemiologist at Stanford writing for Stats News, and then later in a peer-reviewed paper questioning whether the proportionality of our response to the Wuhan coronavirus was actually necessary. Then it was researchers at Oxford University who concluded that the virus was much less deadly, but instead highly transmissible. Then it was a couple more epidemiologists at Stanford writing for the Wall Street Journal who also questioned just how 
deadly the disease was. And then it was Michael Osterholm, the director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, who criticized a nationwide shutdown in the pages of the Washington Post. Add in the White House's coronavirus task force coordinator, Dr. Deborah Burks's words yesterday. The numbers that have been put out there are actually very frightening to people. But I can tell you, if you go back and look at Wuhan and Hubei and all of these provinces, when they talk about 60,000 people being infected, even if you said, oh, right, well, there's asymptomatics and all of that, so you get to 600,000 people out of 80 million. That is nowhere close to the numbers that you see people putting out there. I think it has frightened the American people. I think on a freely on a model that you just run full out, you can get to those numbers if you have zero controls and you do nothing. And now back to the Imperial College study that kicked off this entire thing. The main researcher of that report, Neil M. Ferguson, gave parliamentary testimony yesterday where he all but retracted his forecast for the pandemic. Instead, he says the death toll in the UK could be at worst 20,000. That's 25 times less than what he originally predicted and now admits it's impractical to keep countries locked down for his suggestion of 12 to 18 months due to the economic impact. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is just a bit outside. In completely unrelated news, 3.2 million people filed for unemployment claims last week. That's according to the U.S. Department of Labor. But don't worry, this was not all for nothing. The following clip is from this show just last week. Here's the other thing you got to watch for, too, okay? And this is, don't just ask questions of the medical community or the media. Ask questions of people in the, in the finance community, too. So uh, yesterday, a little birdie of mine sent me a, a, a video clip about a guy named Bill Ackman is his name. And he apparently has the ear of Steve Mnuchin. And hey, what do you know about this guy? Can you check him out, et cetera? So we did a little research on him. Because the, the thing is, I, we, the thing you always want to find out first is, because is, what he's basically, he's got, he's, he's got the, air, the, the ear, I'm told, of Steve Mnuchin, who right now has the ear of Donald Trump. And, and he was on CNBC yesterday, uh, full Denethor. Run for your lives! We can't defeat the orcs! Shut it all down. I mean, he did everything but just pour himself with oil, you know, anoint himself with oil and just jump on, on, on top of the funeral pyre. That, that was literally this clip I was sent. Every hotel, every, shut it, everything, shut it all down. Run for your lives. That was the clip. So we did a little research on him, right? You took a look at him for me. And because yep. the first thing I wanted to do is look at the worldview. Is this guy driven by a worldview panic? Because is he is he a Tom Steyer? We introduced our audience to Jeremy Grantham yesterday, right? Is he a, is he a climate alarmist? So, so what I wanted to know is, you know, is this guy got a mass worldview where he, he's he's invested in this? And you found he's your typical liberal secular guy that just donates to you know your Planned Parenthoods and stuff. But he's not like an apostle of the new age. It's just, he's your typical Democrat billionaire investment banker. Uh, you know, donor guy, right? There's, he's a dime a dozen, right? Yeah. So let me tell you what his other motivation is. Crash all the markets right now. So I buy everything on the Dutch pennies on the dollar. And, and I, and, and, you know, I'm Warren Buffett with a, with a, with a Superman cape in about six months when everything is back to normal and the economy's humming again and everything else. You be careful with that. 
You're going to start seeing these people on the business channels and everything else. Mark my words. They're going to, they, they are going to be, my guess is he wants the hotels closed because there's a particular hotel chain. He wouldn't mind buying himself and acquiring. MSNBC headline from yesterday, Bill Ackman exits market hedges, uses $2 billion he made to buy more stocks, including Hilton. And that's how we were duped while we were away. Um, so I knew all that information was coming. I'm responsible for a good portion of it, frankly, but, um, just to see it all encapsulated like that. I mean, we've been knee deep in this, us and so many others for the last couple of weeks and even I am sitting here. I don't know what your reaction was, Todd. Even I am sitting here and I'm just like, I, I want to tweet out, is this real life? You know what I'm saying? And I can't even imagine what the average person in our audience who is still trying to live a life outside of this. This isn't their life like it is for us. We chose this life. It's what we do for a living. With the average person, though, who's, this is just a part of what they do. Seeing all of this unfold right now as it is today. I can't even imagine what they must be thinking. I mean, it's, when I saw this this morning, it just blew my mind. And I want to take you back to what we talked about a week ago with Imperial College. Coronavirus isn't the pandemic. The likes of Imperial College is the pandemic. Make no mistake, coronavirus is a, is, a, is a vicious entity. But it is not the cause of the cultural Pearl Harbor moment we're at at the moment. The likes of Imperial College, they are. They fed this contagion into the information ecosystem's bloodstream. And it filtered and contaminated everything. And fast. Fast. And then it was picked up by our already hysterical media. And it was like a moth to a flame. It's the drug of choice. And after crying, chicken little, the sky is falling so many times over the years, they thought that they finally had the moment when it really, truly was. And like parasites, they glommed onto this virus as their host in the hopes that it would deliver the kill shot to our way of life. They've been trying to orchestrate for many, many years. And we told you yesterday, there were two political battles that were taking place now. And the first one we talked about was actually on the left, within the academic community on the left, right? We just had this conversation yesterday. And I remember signing off yesterday. I was thinking to myself, I don't want, I mean, this could still be a really long argument over there on the left. Let's not blow it out of proportion. Because there's going to be like counter arguments. They're going to try to hold on to this. 
this thing accelerated beyond what I thought was going to happen. It didn't. The minute Stanford, Oxford, the, the, the Center for Infectious Research began pushing back on this, this house of cards collapsed almost instantly, instantly. And keep in mind the time change between us and the UK. So Mr. Ferguson was testifying this to Parliament almost instantly in reaction to the pushback he was getting from the academic community. Not to mention our own testing here in the United States. We have tested, as of yesterday, 432,000 Americans have been tested. And understand that those Americans were tested for a couple of reasons. One, they're the most symptomatic. Two, they're the most vulnerable. That's not all 432,000, but it's going to be most of them. And, and, and they're the most vulnerable because they're in New York State. That's where half of all of our testing for coronavirus has been in New York State. And so even with that weighted sample, weighted heavily towards people that have been mass exposed, 15% of Americans have tested positive for coronavirus out of that 432,000. 15%. 15%. Now let's say that the entire population maintained that trend. It will not. Because as we pointed out to you, we are testing the most symptomatic, vulnerable, and exposed. Which means the, the more that we branch out and test a broader sample and more randomly, those numbers are going to plummet. We saw it here in Iowa. The first batch of people tested, I told you, were at 6.5%. The second batch of people, when they doubled the sample from 1,000 to 2,000, it went down to 3%. Now they're trying to glom on, well, 67 people have died in Louisiana from coronavirus. Every day in Louisiana, 57 people sadly die because of heart disease and cancer. Did you know that? No, you don't, because you don't have a media that does things like that. So shows like this do it for you. It's pretty clear now that we're getting real data that this thing from Imperial College is either an epic academic farce of cosmic proportions. One of the worst examples of confirmation bias in human history, where they just could not see beyond their own activism. And by the way, if you, one of the first things the report says is they don't know how the virus is transmitted. Classic, classic, classic Darwinian tactic. I don't know where human life began for sure, nor why, but, but follow all of my ethical, moral um, uh, 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 dictates of your culture, nevertheless. Live the way I want you to, nevertheless. I can't answer the most meaningful questions you have in life, but you should let me tell you how to live your life, nevertheless. Right? That's essentially the, what, what, the, what, the, what, the, what the Darwinists like to tell you. And that's what happened here. Hey, we, we don't know how the virus is transmitted, but please... Follow along with all of our draconian simulations of how it will then be transmitted from there. And governments, including our own, ran with it. Because media, including our own, freaked out. Well, then a funny thing happened. The United States of America did, under our current president, what we've been known to do when faced with invasions in the past mobilize under the premise of hell no hell no that's not happening here and tested about a half million people as fast as is humanly possible 
And we found, the more we tested, we confirmed it's a vicious virus, not as lethal as was being reported, nor as infectious either. And now you've got even Dr. Burks up there, man. Like, she's like America's, you know, if, if she's like, the, she's like, if you thought of the, the, the woman you'd want to have be your, your biology 101 college professor. And even she's up there now. Hell no. And no, no, we're not doing this. She's like our Galadriel right yes. now. Yep. She, she saw her. She's been the picture of composure and she still fairly was yesterday, but she had her. I can't even now. All right. She had her, I'm, I am paying, Mr. Speaker, I am paying for this microphone. I have no idea what Donald Trump was doing off to the side, but he was probably like, you go, girl, you got this. I'm not getting, I love myself, my camera time. I'm not even getting in the middle of this one. You can have all the time you want. There's a bit of difference, you know. And we said this last week, if, if, if I really believed this was going to kill 2 million or even a half a million Americans, absolutely, I'd be fine with shutting the country down for that. I mean, that's like one-fifth of the population of the state I live is a half a million. I just didn't believe it. I don't believe their math. Didn't add up. Didn't hold up to any level of scrutiny. That's why we were the first to call them out and scrutinize it. But do you want to know how I even heard about the Imperial College survey? Because some people in conservative media, including names I respect with major platforms, the day that it was released, were sharing it. I'd never, never even heard of it. They, I was asking, we were asking these questions before we even knew what this study was. Correct. Long before. Yeah. I, I, I was sitting that night trying to relax, but keeping an eye on what's going on with this at the same time in my man cave. And I see several names, people with huge platforms I respect that have been on this show in the past as guests, sharing this with their massive followings. And that's on our side. I can't even imagine what was going on with people who take the, you know, who take CNN and MSNBC seriously. I can't even imagine what they were thinking. And I'm like, wow, I need to read this. So I went through and I read it. And like I told you last week, after I got done, even I was like, and then I heard a voice in my head say, you need to Google climate change and Imperial College. And man, when I did, the damn broke. Now, when you say you Google that, do you have like special access to Google that the other people aren't allowed to do? Because they were just saying, hey, man, we're not panicking. We're just listening to the experts. Right. So do you have special Google powers? Not only do I not have that, I literally have the worst Wi-Fi in the state of Iowa. Okay. I've called CenturyLink so many times. You're literally wearing the tinfoil hat to make this thing work? Yes. Yes, I mean, I, do you know how many times I... You need to reboot your router. I mean, reboot your router is the new... Remember we were kids and they had us put the rabbit ears or the tinfoil oh, the rabbit yeah. ears and the old man would just make you stand there so so we could watch uh, Walter Cronkite at night so it wouldn't go out. Do you remember those I days? I do remember that's those what, days. That's what the Wi-Fi is in our home. My kids don't really... At this point, my kids no longer believe that their dad works for some major media country, company because they cannot believe that he has saddled them with with such such prehistoric levels of interconnectivity with their with their friends on the and, and and platforms on the internet they just don't buy it i finally just bit the bullet called the competition and i just said i don't care what it costs i want the most expensive thing you have that's what i told them i want the most expensive thing you have and you put it in my home right away all right that's my special google ability i don't even know if my internet's gonna work i tried watching doctor sleep again the other night 
I got two thirds of the movie just stopped working, rebooted the router, did everything, couldn't get it. I don't. I'm, I'm just. I'm so mad, and I don't want to watch the rest of the movie. I'm so mad at my internet. So no, I. I don't have any so, special powers. No skull and bones here. Everybody could have found the same thing. Yep. Got it. If they were just willing to dig and look and read a few things, and then not read like the first top line result, but then you know like read pages of them and and make sure you're not getting a, a you know a singular narrative. But you don't. You're not. You're not straw manning the Jeremy Grantham's. But you you find out. You you look for what he says in his own words before anything else rather than someone's characterization of it and it took me 30 to 45 minutes to do this in my man cave with a spotty with maybe a real internet might have taken me even less who knows okay no that was those were my superpowers just a refusal to panic and handing, old, and handing old people. Yeah, let's, yeah, well, let's be that, fair. That, of course, that's been the driving force behind all of this. But but also it was the still because I'm human. When I got through reading that, I finna thought about panicking for a second. <laughs> I thought, okay, and but then I heard that still small voice in the back of my head say, "You need to Google Imperial College and climate change." And if, if we played any role in this process at all, it was my decision to follow that voice, which prompted me. Because I'll tell you what, my inbox on Twitter and other places, the, 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 uh, a lot of people who thought we were just reckless and full of blank, the minute we started unraveling the onion of Imperial College, that was the impetus for a lot of people who have platforms bigger than us, and are, are, do this all the time to come alongside and kind of take the lead and say, hey, yeah, you may be onto something. Let's, let's, let's take this from here. And that's where you've seen so many other people with bigger platforms and followings have just run with it from there. And now the entire study is a scam. And don't feed me the, well, they're recalibrating. A half a million to 20,000 isn't a recalibration. I promised my wife a honeymoon in Hawaii. After we get to the airport to take off, we're going to Schenectady instead. Well, honey, we just recalibrated our expectations here. That's all we did. We just recalibrated. You know, it's in New Jersey. They got an ocean there somewhere around the boardwalk, right? Okay, of course, you got to dodge a lot of cans and bottles just in the cigarette butts on the side of the road to get there. But it, sooner or later, we'll see an ocean, I promise. That husband's about to get a real lesson in social distancing. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Yeah. And not to mention that college, uh, the Imperial College report on all of this was actually encouraging and uh, assumed that this was going to have to be this social distancing, this forced quarantine, all of these measures that we're taking to essentially shut down entire economies. Mm-hmm. That was going to have to, to, to last for 12 to 18 months. Minimum. 12 minimum. to 18 minimum. months. Minimum. Yes. And now Neil Ferguson says he, this, and the, the lead researcher says he expects this to peak and then subside within two to three weeks. <laughs> that's a bit of a that's a bit of a change. Why tw- a bit as as the man that you grew up listening to your beloved Milwaukee Brewers all your life used to say, just a bit outside, just a bit outside. Amen, Bob right? um, Why twelve to eighteen months? Because that's the minimum amount of time it would take to have a vaccine ready to go. 
because you've got to test it. Like we can have that. We, we've got we've got labs right now with antibodies that can push back on the coronavirus. The question is, what we don't know is what happens when we eject them into human beings. And it's going to take, I mean, are you, are, do you cause another pandemic? Do, do, does the smallpox come back because you did this, right? All right, so these are all, the, that's why it takes 12 to 18 months for the trials to do this. And so that's why it was going to be a minimum of that amount of time. A minimum. And now, eh, my bust. Sorry about that economic growth you were having. Sorry about your kid's prom that they won't have now. No, they're not, Steve. That's the key. Yeah, no, no, no they're, they're not. not. They're not sorry at all. Don't you ever forget who these people are. Ever. Ever. Because short of evidence of salvation regeneration, they are never to be trusted with any piece of information ever again. Ever. Remember this the next time they come at us, because there will be a next time. Thank God for the freedoms that you have in this country, that we have the freedom to do things like ask these kinds of questions and not just take whole cloth, your dire predictions. But we get to, we get to say, yeah, point of order. I, I think I kind of need you to explain this for me a little bit better. We get to Colombo. I've got one one more question. Wasn't that Columbo's act back in the day? That's how yeah. we should say break people down. Okay, we get to do that. Thank God that he puts you in a country with those kinds of freedoms. And then the next time, because there will be one, when they come at us with something like this again, let us not be so quick to just hand those freedoms over out of fear. Thank God you live in a country where there are platforms like the Blaze that can exist to provide shows like this and others and other platforms that did a lot of the same kind of work that are willing to take those risks because of what's at stake. There's not a lot of platforms that would have let us do what we did these last couple of weeks. Let's just, well, not a lot of platforms that have like a reputation and any, any stature any standing, let alone the mass kind of audience that the blaze attracts on a daily basis. Not a lot of places. Thank God you're in a country where those, those, those kinds of platforms can exist. Because if they didn't, sooner or later, the more and more of the real data that came out, the more testing we did, and then the, the arc wasn't adding up, sooner or later, it was going to end here. Because it's been a lie in a house of cards from the beginning. The panic again, not the virus, the panic. I want to make sure we're making that clear on this show, all right? I even explained to my own children before we came here, I came to work here this morning. We're still going to follow the precautions where your grandparents are concerned. So we're talking only about the panic, not the virus. Eventually, the panic would have been called because we would have, the more testing we did, the more data we would have. And that data would, would, would just say what it's saying now. The question is, though, without platforms like this one that forced this conversation and debate to happen faster than it might have otherwise, how many more weeks and maybe even months would this have gone on before we started really saying right. no to this? How much more damage would have been done to our way of life that was ir 
irrevocable, irreplaceable. How much more? Be thankful there is a God. Be thankful our rights come from him. And be thankful we live in a country that while there are sadly more and more of us that no longer understand or even wish for this acknowledgement to be, to be heard, but there's still enough of us who believe in that and can speak out on those beliefs and put our faith in God. That the truth, no matter what it is, can still set us free. I was on a show here in Des Moines yesterday in my hometown. A caller came in. Do you really think you're right and all the experts are wrong? The experts all told Copernicus he was wrong. They told Galileo he was wrong. They told St. Peter he was wrong. They told Winston Churchill he was wrong. They told Donald Trump he was wrong. They told him he was a he was a racist for shutting down Chinese travel a couple of months ago. What we know now, if he had not done that, oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Where would we be right now if he had not done that? We're going to talk more about this when we come back here in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Now, they have extended the tax deadline from April 15th to July, but sooner or later, the tax man cometh. As a business owner, it is critical to know all of your options. That's why you should lean on LegalZoom. We have used LegalZoom for our uh, corporations, uh, for living wills, for lots of different things at our house over the years as well. Um, And you can use them too. LLCs, DBAs, S-Corps. They all mean different things when it comes to paying taxes and limiting your personal liability. There's a lot to think about. But with LegalZoom, you don't have to worry about doing all that legwork yourself to find the right answers. I think if we have learned, well, we have learned a lot the month here of March. One of the things we learned is, Make sure you you're, you get information from people that are credible. I think we've we've learned that, right? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can just tell you, we have been using LegalZoom in our house for almost 10 years, all right? Long before they became a partner with us here on the show. Uh, and since LegalZoom isn't a law firm, you'll save time and money by avoiding all of those hourly fees and those billable hours as well. So when you need to incorporate, form an LLC or set up your own business another way, use LegalZoom to maximize your business's potential and Make your accountant happy. Get your business on the right track for 2020 by visiting LegalZoom.com and use the code TRUTHBOMBS for special savings. Use the code TRUTHBOMBS for special savings at LegalZoom.com, LegalZoom.com, where life meets legal. So one of the other things that came out this morning as well. And I'm, I'm, I'd never heard previously of a gentleman by the name of uh, Stephen McIntyre. And uh, my good buddy Daniel Horowitz sent this over to me this morning. There's a bunch of us that are around the country, kind of not just that work here, but at various places around the country that are communicating with each other on a consistent, regular basis and on 
trying to fact check a lot of this hysteria and panic over the last week or so. And I get up this morning and Daniel had sent me something from this Twitter account by a gentleman named Stephen McIntyre. I tweeted it in my feed at Steve Day Show if you want to see it for yourself. And and, and I wasn't familiar with him. You know, um, there's a few people like if somebody in our group sent me something, I'd probably just accept it at face value because I, I know the level of diligence they're doing that unless they ask me to check it, I just feel, I feel confident sharing it. I'd not previously heard of this gentleman's name. Apparently his Twitter account, it's got a, a decent following, well over 20,000 followers. And what he does is really, is, is he, according to his feed, is he, he audits climate alarmists, the, the data of, of climate alarmists. And Daniel sent this over to me this morning and said, hey, can you double check this? Because it, it looked like the tables that I used for my piece in the blaze on Monday when we talked about um, the week before the shutdowns began across the country. CDC reported that 7.7% of all deaths in America, not, not just the mortality rate of the infected, but all deaths in America, over 7% of them were because of flu or pneumonia the week of March 7th, the week before the the. Um, the shutdowns began around the country. And it looked like he was using some of the same tables that I used. And so Daniel said, hey, can you check this out? So I went and took a look at it, at his data. No disrespect to Mr. McIntyre, but since I don't know him and given the magnitude of what's at stake, check everything before you throw it out there, <laughs> okay? Um, and lo and behold, he was using the same CDC data that I did, but he was actually doing it better. Because I had just looked at a couple of time periods. He went, he went and took this entire flu season using the official data from the CDC. And you know what he found? That at several times all winter long, we have been above the epidemic line with pneumonia. According to CDC, they have, in fact, why do I say the epidemic line? Because on the C, I, go to my Twitter feed at Steve Day Show. I shared this this morning. You can click on these links yourself. I'm getting so many emails right now. I, I texted one of the mucky mucks here at the blaze. Is this what Glenn Beck's life is like? I cannot keep up with all of this correspondence. First time in my career I've experienced anything like this. <laughs> all right. Um, and, and a lot of it are you people, Hey, can you send me links? Please everything. Keep up with my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Steve Dace at Twitter or at Steve Dace show on Twitter. I'm we're posting all of our legwork there all the time. So you can just almost use those as bookmarks just to go through each day and see the, uh, you know, the, the source material for the data points we share with you okay and with and so when i say the epidemic line I'm, that's not a descriptive term the cdc data model literally says epidemic on the line with what the, literally says what their epidemic line is and there are several times going back to january where the pneumonia table of deaths went above the epidemic line why didn't we have a panic over this now now why is that key because the symptoms, once COVID-19 mobilizes in the body, the worst of the symptoms often emulate what? Pneumonia. Acute respiratory virus. So let me translate for you what that means. And it goes back to what Dr. Burks said a few days ago. This has been here for weeks. This has been here since January. Which is why I said earlier, if the... You know, a lot of us at the time thought, the, like our Daniel Horowitz, thought the president was too slow. Well, and in, in fairness to the president, Daniel thinks all activism is too slow, which is why we love him, because he keeps everybody honest. <laughs> all right. 
Um, like Daniel's already like he's already given up researching coronavirus and he's on to all right we got to get to the state legislatures to open this like he's 10 steps ahead of us on this stuff usually okay um but the 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 translation of that data table is that this thing's been here since january which means even if you think the president should have shut down travel from china earlier if he had not done it when he did oh my where would we be Still nowhere near what Imperial College was claiming. Nowhere near that. But yeah, the kind of stuff that does make you pause tragically as a nation. Because we were over the epidemic line for pneumonia almost all winter long. On numerous occasions we were. Which probably means, given the timetable of how long this has been here, that we were diagnosing before we were doing this mass testing or even knew what COVID-19 was. Before your hospital in Jacksonville, Florida, or in, um, um, uh, you know, um, Billings, Montana, knew what a COVID-19 was. And our grandparents went in there because their, their respiratory tracts were shot to ruin and they couldn't get back on track strictly with antibiotics. So they had to be admitted. And they tested negative for flu. So they just, because of the symptoms they were exhibiting, they just diagnosed them as pneumonia. And that's probably what's been going on here all winter long. That's what that data means. Something that uh, actually Daniel just sent me during the break I want to share with you. Um, There's now reports out of Italy of a, quote, strange pneumonia going back um, to November in Lombardy, Italy. That's the region that's the hardest hit of Italy of COVID-19. And there's a mass, there's a mass transit of, of between China and Italy, similar to the United States as well. Why November again? Remember, right now, the earliest recorded case we have in Wuhan, China, of this virus mutating from animal to animal to animal to human is November 17th. Well, about, two, about a week and a half before Thanksgiving. How many? So again, where are these curves? We don't, we don't... You, all the questions we've been asking. And it has, and, and this is where I want to give you guys some confidence. Folks, you know, I'm not going to give you the, the false humility because that's just as annoying as Commander McBrag. I was always one of the smartest kids in class. I was always able to figure things out, right? To some extent, faster than a lot of other people could. That's just the way God made me. You know, your daughter Ainsley is just made to run faster than the average mortal mortal female uh, human being, right? Yes. And that's why she's got nationally renowned universities offering her scholarships already, right? Yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm guessing there was at some point at four, five, and six years old, you realized, holy crap, this kid can run. Yeah. Of course, you got to hone it from there, right? Sure. But, but at some point, it just organically presented itself to you yes. this gift similarly i've just always been like this it's it's how i was made by our creator but the truth of the matter is man i i do you know why i couldn't get into michigan have i ever told you guys this i know you guys know this yeah because i nearly f- i flunked the math portion of the acc i'm so bad at it i scored like perfect on the other sections act act i'm sorry uh but but i but um, i i flunked the math portion that's why i had to go to community college and then from there, I went to Michigan State University, mainly because there were just hotter chicks there, and they partied. 
better than Michigan. And I figured, I don't care. I'll just root for Michigan while I'm there. I'm used to people hating me. It doesn't bother me. And I did. You know, I blared the victors out my dorm speakers at Wonders Hall. I didn't give a rip. And they did. And they, you, they, and they did hate me. <laughs> yes. yes, they did. Okay, especially that one game where the Fab Five took their shorts off and made it look like they were taking a dump over the S at the Breslin Center. Dude, I was doing that Homer Simpson gift, just kind of backing away. Yeah. I'm sitting in the stands with a Michigan shirt on. I'm like, I'm going to ease my way out of here. Not sure how, how, this, how this is going to turn out tonight. I was a student when that was going on there. Um, but you know why I don't have a degree? Because I flunked out. Because they don't hand out degrees, even at Michigan State, for Super Tech Mobile. Because I wasted an entire semester, didn't go to a single class. Because it was the first game that had all of the real players, all of the real stats. I did that a whole semester. That in intramural basketball and eating Lucky Charms for breakfast. To, to see if you could actually eat an entire box of Lucky Charms for breakfast. And that, by the way, is where I learned you cannot out-train a bad diet. Because even with the amount of IM basketball I was playing, I still put on like 100 pounds. Because that's what happens when you eat a box of Lucky Charms for breakfast nearly every morning. <laughs> all right? So why do I tell you all of this? You know, when, when I flunked out of college, I was trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? When my cousin, Angela, who was like my sister growing up, we were so tight. She was the manager of, of Quick Trip Convenience Stores here in town. And she's like, man, I'm making 30 grand a year as a single girl in the, you know, 1995 managing convenience stores. You should do this. It's easy work. So she, so she took me over to the, uh, the Quick Trip uh, uh, corporate offices to take the managerial exam. And I failed it because you had to score at least 70% on the exam. And I couldn't remember how to multiply and divide fractions. So I, folks, I, 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 I failed. I failed the Quick Trip managerial exam. That is true. I, I'm, I'm not qualified to manage a convenience store. When the first time the register let me cover a, a, a college basketball game, it was the Missouri Valley Conference for the regular season title, last game of the year, Drake against, I want to say like Southern Illinois or somebody at the Knapp Center here in Des Moines. So it was a women's college basketball game and a packed crowd. And I go in to cover it and I've got to really use the restroom, man. And so I'm like, I got to beat the crowd at the half. Otherwise, I'm not going to get back in here before the game restarts. So a few seconds left, you know, they're calling timeouts. No one's going to get a good shot off. I eject to go use the, re I'm in a hurry and I use the restroom and I'm, and I'm sitting there doing my thing and all of a sudden I start hearing a lot of female voices I don't think I've ever told you this story this right? is a new one yeah my wife is the only one who knows this story so you're getting true confessions today and I'm sitting there and trying to do my thing and I'm hearing a lot of female voices and we didn't know what gender dysphoria was yet in 1998 so it wasn't that you know what I'm saying it wasn't uh, uh dude felt pretty and so he just stopped in to use the wrong job. And you didn't have the out of assuming a gender for five minutes and then I going did back not. again. I see. And then there were more and more female voices. And I realized, oh, bleep. I went into the women's bathroom. I was in such a hurry. I didn't even look. And now I'm panicked. I don't know what to do. So I just decided I'm not going to do it. I'm, I froze. I'm just going to, I'm going to wait them all out. Hope nothing exciting happens in this game. All right. I'll, I'll, I'm probably not getting back to my seat on press row until six, seven minutes have expired in the second half. Hope I don't miss anything. I'm just going to wait for the whole room to empty and then quietly walk out, then peek out the door, make sure nobody sees me. And then just go back to press row like it never happened. <laughs> it's a true story. All right. And there's more, man. If I can crack the code and ask the questions, so can you. This country was, was founded by men who trusted not in the people, 
the 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 whims and emotions of vopopuli. No, but in the the wisdom of the of the individual, the liberty of the individual made in the image of God, that presented with facts. If interested in the truth, could govern themselves by it. I can't change the oil in my car. My buddy Mike Pike, a couple of times a year, I basically have to pay his fee for our monthly poker game for like six months because I have to always, I I give him like an annual list of handyman stuff around the house I need done that I don't know how to do. So he does it for me. And I pay him back by paying his, his, uh, his, his entry fee into our monthly poker game for a period of time. I'm born to a 15-year-old mom, guys. There's nothing special here. Nothing. Same God made me, made you. Just, I have a microphone in front of me. Same common sense given to me, you have. I've got a Facebook account, so do 80 some odd percent of you. I've got a Twitter account, so do 20% some odd of you. I don't even, I'm not even on like Instagram and stuff like that. Many of you are. You've got platforms. You can do this. And we have to. We're going to have to be the media now. We don't have a media in this country. We're going to have to be. The people who ask those critical questions, even of the people that we like, the people we support and vote for, we're going to have to do it. I was thinking today, if a conventional, my wife and I were talking about this this morning, if a conventional Republican were in the White House right now, even one that was like really conservative, but from like an elite university, came out of those, out, out of those enclaves, would they be as quick to question the zeitgeist as we've seen a guy like Donald Trump in the last few days? I don't think the answer to that question is Yes. We can't always count on a guy like that having power for such a time like this. So the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been us. Using our God-given rights and freedoms to protect them and pass them on. You could have, we, 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 I told you yesterday, I didn't even think about trying to get the flu season data until many of you asked me this. Hey, can you look this? Look at this. It doesn't make any sense. We can all do this. That doesn't mean there's not expertise beyond our grasp, that we don't need people with unique elite training to understand and unlock. But ultimately, we can do this. We were made to do this. This country was founded for us to do this because other people understood that they could do it too. And now it's our turn to take our country back. Hour two is next. And 
Greetings. We are back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, The last name is D-E-A-C-E. You can also, if you want to see clips of this show that you can sample or share, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you do listen to us via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, if you like what we do, if you don't, and we've got very fragile egos around here. So if you don't like the show, just keep that to yourself, please. But if you do like it, even just a little bit, maybe embellish all the more, uh, because the more of those five-star reviews we get, it helps the show to grow. And then it makes it far more likely that we get to grow with it. And I think the last thing America needs right now are more unemployment claims. All right. So if if you haven't left us a five-star review yet, what are you waiting for? I mean, most of, our shows, most of us are just Netflix and chilling right now anyway. Right? You've got a few extra minutes. So if you've been thinking about it, please consider doing that right now so I can stop begging and retain any shred of dignity that I still have left. We're going to get to Theology Thursday here in a moment. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by Patriot Mobile. Before we do, though, there's one more thing I want to um, talk about as it pertains to the big picture of this battle now to get our country back. And I'm going to use an analogy from one of my all-time favorite video games, Arkham City. Just bear with me, okay? But this portion of the show is brought to you by Patriot Mobile right now. The American people, we are in a fight for our very way of life. Uh, and it's during these times that uh, of difficult social distancing that Patriot Mobile is helping Americans to stay connected by reducing all of their pricing for a limited time. Plans start as low as $25 a month. That's always true at Patriot Mobile. But right now, you can get an unlimited plan for only $55 a month. Unlimited for only $55 a month. There's never been a better time to join Patriot Mobile. Uh, call them at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. You get all the same bells and whistles you get with the big fellas, but uh, this time they spend your money that you give them on the things that you believe in, not on the stuff that's trying to end uh, your way of life and oppose your values. Patriot Mobile, founded by freedom-loving Americans. Give them a call right now. Unlimited plans as low as $55 a month for a limited time. 972-PATRIOT or go online to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve. So Arkham City is like my, is one of, is my favorite ever non-sports video game. And it was the first kind of real big time open world game, meaning where beyond the story of the game, you can go out into the whole, the whole of the game board, all of the, the, the graphics in the game and, and, and explore it and do individual things. Okay. And now this is, you know, that game's almost 10 years old now. And now there's all like your Red Dead Redemption that you love is an open world game, right? Um, this is pretty standard. But in 2011, dude, this was pretty dope. Okay. And, and so in Arkham City, there was the main story. And you get to the end and, you, and, and the final battle with the Joker. All right. He's the big bad. He's the, he's the big boss of the game. Now, the game's not over, though. The main story objective of the game, that what's been fueling all of the other things you've been doing in the game, that is accomplished. But the game itself is not, is not finished yet. That's where we're at in this battle. 
the undermining of Imperial College, they have, they have been the big bad. They are the ones that sprung your elites into a panic. In media, government, athletic administration, NBA, name it. Name it. When they were fed those simulations, they panicked. They're the big bad of the game that we're playing here. Now, except this one's got a little bit higher stakes than Arkham City. This one's called Civilization. <laughs> All right? Okay. Um, and so in the game of Civilization, this version of it, my guess is like Madden, there's a Madden. You know, I've bought every Madden like every year. Madden 10, Madden, you know, we're on Madden like 30 now, right? There's going to be a new game every, every time we have to play. And this isn't even the first version of this game we have played with these, with these forces. This is just the version we're playing right now. This is Civilization COVID. That's what this game is that we're playing. The main story model of, of, the, of the video game Civilization COVID-19, the main villain of that story model is Imperial College because they're the ones that planted the public policy contagion into our culture and sparked us to risk a great depressioning ourselves. They're defeated. You beat the big boss in the game. Great. But the game's not over yet. Now we've got the side missions. So in Arkham City, we got to go fight Killer Croc and Deadshot and Penguin. All right? Because they're all still, the Riddler still out there. They're all still, they're still out there. So you still have to go and get those guys. Now, they're not the big bads that the Joker is, but those missions are still there. So the game the, the, story, the main story, the main objective of the game has been won. But the game is not yet over. That's where this game we're playing here, called Civilization, this year's version, the COVID-19 version. That's where we're at now. Those who greatly want to, who have bought in, and greatly want the spirit of the age that has forced us here to be true are going to get even more hysterical and they're going to get dumb. Like the people now claiming that, well, this is just a, this is just a recalibration of Mr. Ferguson's numbers. No, recalibration is like 500,000 to 300,000 or even 100,000. I'll even give you that. You don't recalibrate from 500,000 to less than 20,000. And as Aaron pointed out last hour, you don't recalibrate from, well, we, you're going to have to do this for at least 12 to 18 months to, yeah, I think we're going to be kosher here in a couple of weeks. Okay. That's that guy doing his version of the Homer Simpson gif. He is right now trying to quietly back away. All right. And they're doing what we told you they were going to do. Remember we told you they were going to say that it was because of, if, if we hadn't have done the social distancing, if we hadn't done the shutdowns they told us to do, we wouldn't be here. Except the UK was among the last countries to do the social distancing. They just started it actually a few days ago. So there's no way that it's flattened the curve to that extent in just a few days. No, he is at best a complete and total fraud BSer. And then we probably don't want to contemplate what he is at worst, Lord Nefarious. So don't let them get away with that talking point either. You see people post that stuff in your social medias, go right back at them. Nope. Nope. Here's, here's the mission I would give you if I were a general. No BS goes uncalled. No BS. Call it all. Call it all. 
I mean, yesterday I went after somebody who's endorsed several of my books that I like. I just couldn't let it stand. It was it was such it was such a turd of such magnitude. It was such hot flaming garbage. I, I just I couldn't. I couldn't in good conscience let it go. Call all the BS. Call it all. Route it. Don't don't take for granted it's evacuating. Force it. Force it out. Chase it beyond the city gate all the way out. Mercilessly. That would be my advisement. Because there's going to be a lot of people now that understand the jig is up. The scam is exposed. Their credibility is on the line. And they're going to try to fashion all forms of fairy tales and narratives to save it from here. All forms of alternatives. Well, Mr. President, you said Easter. You sure we shouldn't be another couple of weeks? Are you sure? That's the battle now. Now now comes the rest of the game. Governors. Now you'll have to battle. You'll have to battle your squish GOP Democrat, I'm auditioning to replace Joe Biden on the ticket or be on the ticket with him, governors. I don't know. You know, I mean, I consulted the, you know, the left-wing university in my state that that bought the complete and total horse bleep Imperial College survey, and they're telling me we got to give this thing another few weeks. I, I, by golly, I don't know. Nope. That, that, those are the side missions now. Go after them. Nope. Nope. Give us your way of life back. Now. And you're not the ones calling the deal anymore. We're giving you the deal. You'll give us our way of life back now. Or, here's the alternative. You'll give us our way of life back now. That's the offer on the table. Thank you. Take it back. That's how we finish here. You guys have any thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Uh you need to listen to that and not just default to this this is somebody else's problem because we would not have gotten to this point of potentiality unless we were so on the razor's edge of sanity. Basically the Joker came along and said, All it took was a little push. Yep. And there we go. So it's on all of us to change the way we do things. And uh, first and foremost, it's with those experts hey don't begrudge smart people who know stuff learn from people mm-hmm. but don't default to again don't make them your shaman yes. man no yeah. everybody again people on our side what no i'm not panicking i'm just listening to the experts and here we are how many days later in a panic of cosmic economic proportions and the, by any standard right now the economic concerns should concern you more than the actual viral concerns i i i, I think that should be obvious to people by now but you keep listening to actually even fauci yesterday at the press conference you know here's what the experts actually say about this people wanted fauci on the record to see if he agreed with donald trump on the who and if they're in the tank for china or not and there all of a sudden the experts said you know what i'm i'm just a doctor he actually said this i'm paraphrasing slightly but I'm just a doctor. I'm just a physician. That's my sphere. That's what I do. I don't want to get into all the rest of it. Well, why are all the rest of you demanding that he run all the politics and the public policy then? Why? They shouldn't. He knows it. Why don't you? Great point.
Yeah. That's a phenomenal point. I think we're on uh, I think we're on day, you know, maybe two or three of, of marching around the, the wall of uh, walls of Jericho, uh, if you will. So there's there's more obviously work to be done, but the main hurdle I think has probably already been jumped. And it's just going to get more crazy because the more entrenched people are and people people are entrenched on either side of this because nobody wants to have egg on their face when this is all over. The more entrenched people are, the more crazy you'll see the pushback. Again, I want to reiterate something that Steve said a little bit ago. A recalibration is maybe something where, um, let's say, let's say you're driving along the road. And uh, you start to you start to you start to veer off into the center lane. You recalibrate back to get back into your lane. So you were maybe, I don't know, uh, 10, 12 degrees off course. You 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 correct and you get back into the center lane. The Imperial College thing that was like 90 degrees off course and you're claiming a recalibration now is getting back into your lane. Uh, no, that you were just completely, completely off. That's not a recalibration. You're over there in the ditch waiting th- for the wrecker to come tow you out. That is not a recalibration. So uh, that that's, that's something that cannot be overstated. But this thing is not anywhere close, anywhere close to being put back together once again to get back to some degree of normalcy and that's not that's that's not going to happen for for quite a while because there are too many too many people who like these types of situations because they can capitalize on them whether that's in congress whether that's an Ackman that we pointed out in the first segment that wants to tank the economy so he can buy up stocks on pennies, pennies for the dollar. There are too many people in positions of power who are wanting to use this and leverage this. And we've been yep. pointing this out all along yep. for their good, for their own benefit, for their worldviews benefit, what have you. So this is not anywhere close to being over with. But I would say the data is at the very worst trending heavily towards what we have been saying on this show. Vicious virus does not warrant shutting down and suiciding the economy. Let's take a break from this conversation and get re-energized for the next slate of battles ahead. And let's get to some theology Thursday. And as I've been uh, talking about for the last few weeks, we've been doing this series on theology Thursday. Uh, based on this class that my wife and I have been taking at church. It's like a entry-level seminary class on the New Testament, kind of seminary 101 or New Testament 101 and going all the way through it. And part of that class each week is we write uh, an essay uh, on one of the essay questions uh, for the class. And I've been sharing those essays uh, with you guys over the last, wow, this, I think we're on week 11 now. So last few months. Uh, And it, it has been fascinating to see how things have, because a lot of these essay questions were answered weeks ago because the class is ahead of where we're at. It's been fascinating to see at times how the subject matter just happened to coincide and align with what we were discussing. And and let's see if it does this week or if nothing else, it's a pit stop, right? And we got a little refreshed. We got something to drink. 
filled up with some gas and we're ready to get back on the road here. All right. So this week I answered the following question um, and it, uh, our identity in Christ is very important. It tells us who we are, where we are going and how we can get there in Colossians three, three. Remember Colossians was the book. We've the first time we've ever done a Bible study on this show. We did it last year and we took the audience through the book of Colossians in Colossians three, three, Paul describes our identity in Christ as the new self. Explain what Paul means and why it is important. Please explain your answer within the context of verses one through four of Colossians three. And here is how I answered. Paul writes the following in Colossians three verses one through four. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. In response to that, I wrote uh, that I think a lot of Christians, and I too often count myself among this group, view or rate their Christian character through the lens of sin avoidance. Meaning the less I sin, the better the Christian I am. While it is true, the more we grow in Christ, the less we sin. It's not true from the premise, though, of sin avoidance, which is essentially behavior modification with Bible verses. It also encourages sort of a false humility that is actually a version of reverse egoism for what we're at least implying by our own white knuckling strenuous efforts not to do bad stuff is that the atoning work of Christ on the cross really didn't finish, accomplish, fulfill the wrath of God, uh, but the Holy Spirit's really not at work in our lives. So we need to strive on our own to please God, come up with even more rules which is a way of kind of denying the point of the cross in the first place. We can't possibly please satisfy God on our own period. That's why Christ went to the cross and took the debt, the penalty upon himself for us. Furthermore, this sort of straining puts the believer in a perpetual give up, try harder cycle that lacks both the freedom and contentment, see that as joy, a relationship with Jesus Christ is supposed to produce. We vacillate between feeling as if we're, we can't ever satisfy God, it's impossible, and thus the situation is hopeless, to self-righteousness, that we have somehow cracked the behavioral code, we've arrived, that shows both God and our neighbor just how morally superior we are. In philosophy, this is known as a false choice, as in we're offered or accept a faulty premise as an alternative to what's already been recognized as a faulty premise. You know the false choice between there can be no answers to a pandemic other than shut your entire way of life down and do the proto-green New Deal. There can't be anything between that. We can possibly come up with anything short of um, the Ilan Omar policy prescriptions for America. Nothing else could be done. That's an example of a false choice. <laughs> um, or as my mama used to put it, two wrongs don't make it right. All right, that's another way of saying false choice and mama dace language. What, what I believe Paul is saying in these verses is that there's only the only way to win this game is not to play. Christianity is nothing if not a paradigm breaker. At its best, it refuses to negotiate with or conform to thoughts, patterns, and false choices of this world. I think I've put some of that paradigm breaking to work on this show as I've Todd and Aaron, the whole team and those around the country that have done this as well. They have been, we, we broke the paradigm is what we did. We refused to conform to your false choices of your paradigm. There, there, there had to be something between what you were offering us. Christianity introduces the true alternative to lie versus lie. 
Paul is saying Christian character comes not from striving or sulking, but from surrendering your life to Christ, who purchased, redeemed you at a high price. Do not seek to improve your free or fallen will, but surrender to the will of God instead. Seek his will. For example, think of the sin that so easily ensnares you that the writer of Hebrews talks about. I'd be willing to bet it never even enters into your mind when you're surrendered to the will of God in your life. When you're serving others, when you're on a mission trip, when you're sharing the word, etc. However, however, whenever you're in those situations, you're not thinking of what your pet sin is. When you're feeding hungry people who, who are looking at you because you gave them the only meal they're going to have today, and they're looking at you like you're manna from heaven incarnate, you're not thinking of whatever your pet sin is at that point. You're not, you're not thinking about, man, I got I to gotta go crush some Pornhub right now. You're not thinking about stuff like that right now. You're not doing that because you've got your mind focused on things above. You're fulfilling the purpose you were put here for. All right, to love your neighbor. One of them is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So with your mind, with, with, while you're fulfilling your purpose, you could care less about the stuff that takes you away from it. However, the more you're focused on yourself and your own issues, the more mindful we are of that temptation. We then begin to try and resist it as believers, but mostly in our own striving. And sooner or later, sooner or later, we're reminded of Romans 3.23 again, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I, I, I told my wife this morning before, as we were talking about what's come out today. And I said, you know what? I want you for the rest of the time we're alive. When I get discontented or why are we not be succeeding here or getting to do this, all right? For the rest, I'm, I am preemptively, not, you, you, she'd do it anyway, but I'm preemptively giving you permission for the rest of, um, of our lives. I want you to hold that, I want you to remind me of what we've experienced the last few days. I thought God has just used platforms like ours to blow the whole lid off of this. And the rest of, of the rest of our natural lives, when I get whiny, moody, discontented, you smack me upside the head with this precedent to remind me this is not about me and it never has been. Paul says the answer is to seek the will of God where true peace, contentment, and joy are found. These are the antidotes to worldly temptation, to live counterculturally. Not to uh, uh, grin and bear it, white knuckle it. That the answer is to, to live in a way that shows your citizenship is not of this world. That is the answer. And that changes what you see and what you will seek. Live in faith now as if you are fully in the kingdom of God where his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. For when we have our when we have set our minds on things that are above, we're not all that concerned with what lies below. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that for Theology Thursday this week. Well, if you could crush all that down into something that you make sure you want to take away from that, you shouldn't be surprised that in my estimation it is be not afraid. We have been terrified for the last couple of weeks, and therefore we have only had eyes to see and ears to hear that which will reinforce that. Where has been see how they love each other? Where has been uh, the, the uh, notion of here I am, Lord, I can do no other? It's, it's been almost nowhere. 
and unless by simple, uh, you know, the, 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 the simple fact with the nurses, regardless of what they think politically or not, the reality of the virus or not, you know, n- nurses and doctors walking in, in into those hospitals and just doing their job. We've certainly seen there. But the rest of us, like I said on uh, Twitter a couple days ago, you know, the thing that a lot of you folks hate is if we had just asked the uh, elderly and the infirmed to uh, bunker in place and we would keep the economy going and we would change our daily lives to do what we could, both not only for the ones we love, uh, like Steve's in-laws, but for people we've never met before. I'd be honored to be part uh, of that order who would step forward and help them in any way that I could. But we weren't given that chance because so many people, what minimal risk that would take, and you're going to see it in the coming days if schools start coming open. The, the level of mania that they'll be living in under, the level of fear that they'll have given themselves over to, they won't take that one little shred of extra risk of getting whatever that is. They'd rather sit inside and suck their thumbs and virtue signal. And I'm as certain of that as anything I've ever said on this show. Yeah. And what we're, what we're, uh, I mean, what we're called to be uh, as, as, believers is uh as light salt and light salt it uh it, it can be it it can be a, a very painful thing if rubbed in the in the wound you've heard this analogy and it's used in scriptures before obviously uh but but what that means and how we accomplish that in our own lives and i've seen far too many believers during this entire episode not just the not just the uh, rational concern with perspective it is uh it is one panic again panic again and two for those in this sphere as well i've seen uh from from a lot of people i love and respect absolutely no benefit of the doubt absolutely no charity whatsoever <laughs> to to uh, different different sides of this, it is uh, it, it is you want grandma and grandpa to die. It's that it's that sort of thing. That is an evidence of not having your mind renewed and not setting your mind on things above. When you when you set your mind and you retrain and you rewire your your brain and your mind on things above, that what you think about you eventually become. That that is that is I think more uh, of a truth than than uh, than we'd like to admit. But that is that is why I think at least on this show and at least with with me as well, if if we did not have the knowledge and the the faith uh, and the trust that God was really in control and that He really is God, we would be just as prone and just as susceptible to the panic as anyone else. And that's not because we're so spe- so special whatsoever. That, uh, not at all. We don't have some sort of special knowledge here. We're not Gnostics on the Steve Day show. We're, we're, that's not it whatsoever. We are trying with, with fear and trembling to work out our faith every single day. And this is as big of a spiritual issue as it is a, a, a viral one. And that's, that's really what we've been talking about in addressing and confronting 
every single day. And there are far too many people. Forget the, the secularized culture that I've talked about and the impact that this has had on that and that psyche, which is what we've talked, you know, that's what I think Todd was, was talking about. In our own churches as well and believers, this entire thing has unfortunately exposed, and Lord knows I have as many problems in my life from a spiritual perspective as anybody else. But just from my vantage point, this has exposed a major, major issue with fear of men and just fear in general within within the body of believers that we call that we call the church. And that's that's something that needs to be addressed at ASAP as soon as things get back to normal. I, I really that's a very good point, Aaron, as well. We have to come to grips with the fact that a pagan worldview has has overcome all of our institutions where we get a lot of our information. You know? And particularly for the church, the next time they come to us and say, close your doors, um, you need let this precedent tell you, I'm gonna eh, sure. Can you kind of give me some more information? Because one of the things we set a bad precedent here too, which is how immediately we will surrender if pressed on with fear. And so we've shown our own enemies as the church. We talked yesterday about what the United States has shown its enemies. We have shown our own enemies as the church where our weak spot is going forward as well. We'll come back here with more in a moment. Stay tuned. You know, there's still time to honor that New Year's resolution to lose weight and eat right. Get those portion sizes, your cravings under control. And our friends at Riduzone, they think they can help because they're, they've got the only FDA accepted product that includes OEA. That's the natural occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake at the same time. So Riduzone makes it easier to resist those cravings that ruin the resolve on your resolution. Face it, dieting alone is very difficult. Working out is great but you can't out-train a bad diet, that's where Riduzone comes in, all right? But you can only get it on its website at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E is the website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Save up to 65% off your order right now when you go to riduzone.com, use my name, Steve, as the promo code, at riduzone.com and get free shipping by using the promo code, Steve, that's a great offer. Free shipping and up to 65% off at riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com. Uh, Todd, you remember back in, um, uh, what was it, January, I think it was, one of the first columns uh, I wrote for The Blaze uh, after Christmas break, uh, a buddy of mine who is a multimillionaire uh, and has uh, helped a lot of other people become very wealthy, was retiring and going out to live on his own private Idaho in Hawaii, yes. one of the Hawaiian islands. And I said, hey, give it to me anonymously. Yes. But if you've unfiltered, if, you know, what's your take on our, the econ, our economic future, right? I wrote that yeah. piece. He just sent me a note right as we're getting ready to talk to our next guest. And he is saying, hey, um, you know, what we've done kind of exposing this 
the the scam of the Imperial College report and everything else, you've you've defeated the crash. But remember, within a few years of the crash, I mean, half the banks in America were gone. All right, so the crash was the impetus for the Great Depression, but not the depression itself. So that battle still wages. And he says in his mind, and again, this is a guy that has made a lot of his his own money and a lot of other people their money, giving him financial advice for decades. He said, the number one thing this economy needs right now is confidence, not cash. You can give people $1,200 you can give people $12,000. If they don't leave their homes and have no place to go out and spend it because they're not confident that, um, you know, things will be open or that the world's not going to end. It, it, you know, you're, this isn't a stimulus. You're just flushing money down a toilet was essentially what he just told me. So that will be the first thing I want to ask our guest here today, who I've followed his work for, for years, really. And he's, he's one of those individuals that the new media has given a platform to kind of muckrake stuff that a lot of mainstream media doesn't want to get to the bottom of. His name is Phil Kirpin. He's the president of American Commitment and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. So, Phil, it's, it's, I don't know why we took so many years to put you on this show, brother, but how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. What, before we get into what you have dug up about the so-called stimulus, what do you think about kind of a from a macroeconomic viewpoint? Uh, my my buddy, the email he just sent me that even more than cash right now, the American people need confidence. Well, I think that's part of what we need, but there's another sort of even more basic thing than that, which is no matter how much money you have out there, people can't buy products and services that do not exist. And so if people are holed up in their homes under a lockdown, it really doesn't matter how much money is put in their bank account. Uh, We need to produce things. To have wealth as a country, you need to be working and creating and producing. And now my son is yelling. We're on lockdown. And of course, uh, I love this. So do I. I love it. My productivity goes way down in the current circumstance. As do <laughs> Case in um, point. Yeah. Phil is giving us a first person testimonial of what's happening to America right now. As a matter of fact. a demonstration for you uh, of what we're dealing with trying to, to work under the uh, lockdown and uh, the, the inability to produce at our normal levels. But I mean, the, the main point, the main point, I think, of the major economic challenge that we have right now is when people aren't going to work, they're not making anything. Mm-hmm. So even if they're ordering things from the internet with money, the government they gave, the government gave them for not working, they're still not producing anything. So what, what are we really able to buy? Uh, things that were already in inventory or that are being made somewhere else. Uh, and that's not a path to prosperity or a recipe for wealth and being a successful country economically. You gotta be making things, not just buying things. So, Phil, I know you've you've been combing through this. True or false, this this bill is absolute trash as a whole, but there's enough in there we probably need that we have to pass it anyway. Would you say that's yeah, true, I, false, or needs a, or needs more description? Yeah, I mean, I would say true. Look, I mean, there's a reason this was unanimous, which is that um, we because the governments have shut everything down in this country. Uh, we've got a freeze in economic activity, which means you have a lot of businesses that are solvent, that have a lot of assets that are in a liquidity crisis. They have no access to cash. And that means that if you don't do something to make liquidity available, they're going to have to start selling all their assets. And then you're going to have another big leg down even further in asset prices and a credit liquidation spiral even worse than what we've already seen. We don't want that to happen. Getting these credit facilities up and running and the deferral of the 
the payroll tax are the two really important things in this bill and the reasons I probably would have voted for it and it passed unanimously, even though there are some very bad and very damaging things in this bill, most uh, significantly among them, this $600 per week plus up in unemployment, which for many, many people, basically everyone making less than $20 an hour is now going to be paid more not to work uh, than they make when they're working I for know, four I months. Just had to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> paid more not to work, Phil was saying. <laughs> Do we still have numbers for Iowa, Steve? Uh, let me share some of the numbers from Iowa sure. that I looked up here for you. Sure. Uh, under this new bill, if this passes as it was written, where you get your state unemployment benefit plus an additional $600 per week, uh, an Iowa worker who makes $10 an hour, so they make $400 a week, if they work, makes $826 on unemployment if they don't work. A $15 per hour worker in Iowa makes $600 if they work 40 hours a week. $600 for work, $939 if they don't work. And a $20 an hour worker in Iowa under this bill makes $800 an hour if they work and $1,052 if they don't work. Wow. Is there, is there a time deadline on those provisions, Phil, or are they just like indefinite? Well, the, the extra $600 is available for 120 days of benefits. And so okay. it's a four-month situation, uh, but that's a long time. And if this, if this disease situation is over in, say, one month, and the economy is trying to get off, get, get off to a, a quick start, we're going to have a real problem where a lot of people sort of look at the numbers and they say, you know what? I'm going to wait a couple months before I go back to work, before I look for a new job, whatever it might be, because this unemployment benefit is so rich and it's going to make it very difficult, I think, for us to have that V-shaped recovery we want. And there's a real danger we're going to have an L-shaped recovery. Is it is it automatic or do they still have to prove, go through the process of, hey, I, I, you know, there is work out there. I've applied for it. I'm not taking it. You know, meaning is the vetting yeah. of the individual cases gone or is this an automatic that they get this? Well, the, the rules are still there. And so, you know, you're going to have to you have to look for work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, although you, during the, uh, the immediate emergency period, there, I, I don't think that's the case. But, uh, you know, we've seen over the years that uh, even though in, in theory, there should be no way for people to prefer unemployment to work and they're supposed to be out looking for a job and there are people uh, there's oversight and so forth. Uh, we've pretty consistently seen that when there are enhanced unemployment benefits or when unemployment benefits are extended in duration, uh, people tend to stay on them longer. And this was really one of the main drivers of the Obama recession is that we had those 99 weeks of unemployment and we saw a lot of people that didn't really start looking for work in earnest until the end of that when those unemployment benefits were shortened is really when the uh, uh, the unemployment rate started to come down again. And so I think this really repeats and worsens a mistake that we made in the last recession where we're disincentivizing work. And this time we're doing it more severely because we're actually saying we're going to pay more for people not to work than to work. And there was an amendment debate on this last night. Ben Sass put an amendment up to cap unemployment at 100% of your wages. So basically you can make as much not working as you did working, but you can't make more than that. That was his amendment. And it failed. Only one Democrat voted for that, Joe wow. Manchin. And two Republicans voted against it. 
So Susan Collins and Cory Gardner agreed with all the Democrats that it's fine if not working pays a lot more than working. So I, I don't know. Uh, wow. I, I was, you know, the, when Republicans first saw this provision, Steve, they thought this was a drafting error. They thought you couldn't have meant this because in all the Democrat talking points, they were saying 100 percent of wages. And then the bill came out and it was state benefit plus six hundred dollars, which for everyone under twenty dollars an hour is more uh, than they were getting paid for working. And the Democrats uh, Ron Wyden went to the Senate floor yesterday and he said, oh, no, this wasn't a mistake at all. This is totally what we intended. And Bernie Sanders said, how dare you begrudge these people this money? And the Democrats all all are now officially and, and two Republicans in the U.S. Senate are in favor of paying people more not to work than than they make working. Uh, that That's going to be a real problem when I, we get I think, out of this disease situation, trying to get people back to work. I think the messaging of this is the real problem, Phil. For example, and you give me your th- your take on this. If if the government wanted to say, "Hey, we overreacted, shut everything down. Now that we're doing more testing, we think we can get this thing under control. It's it's it, it, it's got a few isolated hot zones, New York, particularly New York, New York City being one of them. But the rest of the country really is not is is not being uh, tested by this the way that we thought. So you know we're we're going to begin the process of ramping back up. Uh, we'll, we will give you a prebate. Uh, for your punitive, you know, to pay a punitive prebate for your troubles for what we did to you, I think that would be one thing. But to to and maybe it is semantics, I don't know. But to me, that's different than using the unemployment process itself to pay you more than your job is worth. You see what I'm trying to get at, Phil, that I think there's yeah. there's one way to do this of understanding the extraordinary circumstances. We got bad data now that we're testing and, and you know, the, the government caused harm. We took these things and services away from you by our own actions. We caused harm. We owe this to you. That That's one thing. It's another thing, though, to set the precedent that you can make more by the, the, the unemployment program than your actual employment was paying you. To me, I I think the, the, the messaging of that means two totally different things, even if the money was about the same. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, you know, it's one thing to provide people assistance to get them through a crisis, especially a crisis that uh, was deepened by government policy. Uh, and essentially was was uh, and people are being negatively affected by shutdowns. It makes sense that you might compensate them so they can you know afford to pay their bills and get through that crisis. It's another thing entirely to disincentivize mm-hmm. work and to basically say we're going to pay you more for not working than for working. And you know the the original this this kept getting longer. It was two months, then it was three months. Now it's four months in this final bill. This crisis is not going to last four months. I certainly hope it doesn't last four months. And so uh, this is really, I think, about policy that Democrats want in general and that they want to make permanent and will try to extend depending on the outcome of the elections next year. I don't think uh, this is something that uh, they, they just want for the duration of this crisis because they already, by just the way they designed this bill, are going to go past the duration of the crisis. All right, Phil, before we let you go, I got a couple of minutes here. It, we, we, we stipulated that the bill is trash, but there's enough that we need that you have to vote for it anyway. Can you give us then what those one or two things that are in there that we do need that would justify somebody like you voting for this? Yeah, I think the, uh, the number one thing is the... Um, 
The number one thing is the credit facility, the emergency loans, which are now going to be available on both the small small business side and uh, even more significantly for for a lot of large businesses. And it's not that no businesses have uh, the assets to meet their short-term obligations if they liquidate it. It's that we don't want them to liquidate. Uh, we want them to be able to meet their uh, short their short term obligations without liquidating and uh, sort of having a fire sale on all their assets. You don't want all the airlines to have to go sell all their airplanes right now. If you do that, they can never recover as a, as a, as companies, no matter what else happens. And sort of there are lesser examples of that across all the other industries and businesses out there. So the availability of emergency credit liquidity is really the crucial thing. Uh, most significant, I think, is funding the new Federal Reserve facility because they're going to be able to lever that money up significantly and it's going to solve the short-term liquidity crunch of course you know, nothing solves the problem long-term if we don't get back to work as we were saying but that's going to solve the short-term liquidity crunch and the other thing they did is they deferred employer side payroll taxes for two years which is a very significant tax cut uh, it's not as good as if they had said you never have to pay it which is what the president wanted but saying you don't have to pay it uh, back uh, half and until half by the end of next year and half the year after that is a significant tax cut that'll also help the economy and there's some other smaller things in here, some tax fixes and things like that. I thought it was a nice thing to do that they told all the distillers that have switched over to producing uh, sanitize, hand sanitizer that they're not going to have to pay alcohol excise tax on the alcohol they use for mm-hmm. that. So there's small fixes like that in there that are also good. But the really the big things are those provisions of liquidity that, that is so badly needed right now to prevent uh, kind of an asset liquidation spiral. And uh, that that is why they needed to do this. And they really should have done it much earlier than this. The fact that we lost a week while Nancy Pelosi was making all these outlandish demands is uh, really unforgivable. And frankly, we're losing another day because the House isn't voting today. They're waiting until tomorrow. I'm not quite sure why uh, they feel absolutely zero urgency when we have so many people on the front lines fighting this virus that are so urgent. Uh, but but you know I think that's why you probably had to pass it and to to prevent the meltdown from being even worse right now. Uh, But really, you know, if cool. we don't get back to work at some point, as I was saying, yep. there are going to be no products and services to buy, no matter how much. That's money exactly right. Down. Phil, quickly, how can people follow your work? Uh, I'm, I have two organizations now. AmericanCommitment.org is the C4. Committee to Unleash Prosperity is the C3 that I'm doing with Steve Moore and Art Laffer. And we've got a lot of stuff about this on there. And I'm also kind of a Twitter addict. That's probably the best way to keep up with my stuff. It's my last name, K-E-R-P-E-N. Great stuff, Phil. Appreciate your work. Thanks for being on board. And we won't wait so long uh, before we bring you back, brother. All right. Take care. All right. Have a good one. All right. You too. So when we had a farm crisis here in Iowa in the 80s, just to kind of put a face on an example of what he's talking about, you know, that land that those farmers had was worth a lot of money. The equipment that they had was worth a lot of money, but because they had no liquidity, all right, they, they couldn't pay the, the tax lien, uh, they couldn't pay the mortgage, uh, on, you know, uh, the, the, the loan that they took out to buy the equipment, couldn't pay their staff, okay? So even though their assets were of great value, they didn't have the money to pay their overhead. And so those assets were then seized to satisfy those debts, and now those, those farmers are gone. And those farms are gone and they never come back, right? That was the farm crisis we had here in, in, in part of it in, in the 1980s. He's describing that happening on a, col- on a cosmic level yes. across the country, right? That you can't pay your, your rent for your building. You can't pay for the equipment for your building, your restaurant, et cetera. So they just seize everything and all those assets and all these people and businesses are now bankrupt. And now you're looking at a massive depression. That's why, what he's talking about there.
and, and saying why he would still vote for it despite the fact it's trash. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.